Hello, everybody. Welcome to What I Learned From. My name is Forrest Stevens, and today we have a guest, uh, Mike Corlin, and he is going to talk um, a little bit about microdosing, a little bit about um, some mental health stuff. So we're going to get into it. Mike, maybe you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about your personal history. Sure. So um, personally, I mean, I'm, I would say I'm a pretty average person, but uh, you know, through this journey of life, I've come across so many things that uh, that uh, have been obstacles. It's uh, and getting through them one at a time um, have been have been difficult, as I imagine it is for so many people. Um, you know, I'm my in my early 30s. I'm a father, husband. Uh, you know, business owner. I do so many different things. Um, and, uh, you know, I came across the, um, the mushrooms, not recently, like, I've, I, I feel like I've used mushrooms for a good part of my like adult life, teenager to present day, but not in this, not in this fashion. I think um, some things had happened five, six years ago that um, really prompted me to look at it in a different light, to, to consider it uh, um, a, a source of, uh, a source of help, not just a source of like partying. And um, so overall, like my life is pretty hectic. I'm balancing so many things all the time. Uh, and, um, and one of the areas that had been neglected so much were my personal health, mental health, like a lot of things just get pushed to the side because you're just, you're just moving forward. You're trying to get shit done. You're trying to be productive and, um, and uh, make progress. Uh, but for, for, for the most part, like mental health, emotion, like those things are very important. They should not be pushed aside. It, it's probably, it should be the, the priority above everything else because it, will affect everything else uh, substantially. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a really awesome journey. I've, I've gained a lot of insight. Um, you know, even my desire to, to make videos about it were not, um, not immediate. Like I started seeing progress, positive changes. And, um, and I thought to myself, like, I should, I should share this with people. Um, and naturally, some of my earlier videos, they just, they weren't great, I understand, but the message was more important than the, the quality of the content at first. Um, trying to uh, make it perfect was going to be damn near impossible when you're beginning. But the, again, the message was so much more important to me to get it out there and at least let people decide for themselves. Um, and to date, I'm surprised just how much engagement it gets. And it, it's been clear that this is a, a huge area of interest, as well as seeing that there's um, local governments and cities decriminalizing, looking at it in a different light. Um, and that, you know, that's good and it's bad. That's going to have positives and negatives um, moving forward. But uh, at least having that open conversation, it's not taboo. People aren't going to be looking at it uh, the way they were 20 years ago, like, you know, what are you crazy? You're taking psychedelics. So, yeah, um, there's there's so much to speak about. But um, do you have any questions for me? 
Yeah, I wanted to get into sort of your process. You you mentioned that at one point you were doing it as sort of more of like a partying kind of thing, maybe more entertainment, um, maybe even experience chasing. Um, and now you're sort of doing it more for mental health. What do those two things, how do they differ? And what does that look like now that like, does it mean literally taking them with more intention and, and going for a walk with it as opposed to uh, consuming other things with it? Or, or is it, is it environmental? Is it, is it, um, is it something really intentional? What, what is the difference between those two things for you? Well, it's, it's, that's definitely a multi, multi-part question. I mean, it's, it's a lot of those things, you know, growing up as kids, we, yes, we were the experience we 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 hear stories we do them and they're fun and you know um as i um you know as i realize like hey i'm having emotional problems i'm having uh just uh mental issues of uh like my just the problems that were occurring in my life family problems marital problems just so many different things that uh like business problems um I felt like I needed something. I wasn't going to turn to um, uh, therapy, and I wasn't going to turn to uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, though I've experimented with that uh, as a teenager, those were more so. I um, um, they weren't by choice. Like you're going through something, you know. School counselors will make recommendations. Um, your parents might uh, m might be inclined to try something, and so you go with it. You're you know you're just a kid. You, it's not like you can say, no, I don't want to do this, but I've already, ex I've ex experienced that. Um, so I thought to myself, well, you know, I need to figure this out for myself. No one's going to do it for me. Uh, and as I uh, put it out into the universe that, you know what, I think I want to turn to mushrooms and see if that might do the trick, but not in very large doses, like we, when we were kids, um, something more to experiment with it eventually found me, you know, I had somebody walk into my store and um, we developed a great relationship and funny enough, he's a cultivator. So in, I would say not on a large scale, but, you know, he grows enough for himself and for his uh, immediate family and friends and uh, it supports that community. And I was lucky enough to become part of that. Um, and so I started doing them and I played around with the, the amounts you know you take a cap and a stem and and through the experience i realized whoa wait a minute this is not for partying purposes i mean it's uh, it, anyone who's done mushrooms or enough mushrooms may have concluded that too and i think it just depends on where you are in your life and uh you, you, if you're younger you may not notice or you may um, and that's kind of where I was. I was a little bit older and re-experienced re that this is, this is a tool for self-reflection, um, you know, improperly categorized as a part, party drug because it's not, certainly not that from what I, what I experienced. And um, over time, I played with the doses. I realized my tolerance level, levels were go, uh, going up because I was doing it daily. Um, and then, um, so I readjusted. I found various different methods, um, spacing of time, the frequency did change, 
Um, and then I discovered like, you know what, the environment matters too. How do I, you know, how do I want to do this? Where do I feel the most, um, uh, the most positive impact even from, you know, that, that aspect. So I kind of put, to, put together this thing and it just worked better for me. So early mornings, empty stomach, um, um, take, uh, take a very, you know, uh, specific amount, not too much, not too little, uh, go through the experience, uh, watch the sunrise, you know, connect with, you know, the, um, with, I want to say my garden for lack of a better term, but, you know, it's just being on the grass and watching, you know, birds and the trees and all the plants. It's quite beautiful to, to do that. And I feel like it put my mind in a very safe and um, really great place to kind of reflect and think about things um, in, a, in a broader perspective, right? Not just in, in the aspects of like the, the problems I'm experiencing and how I would like to address them. And even through all of this, I realized the intention mattered so much. What, what was the intention? What am I trying to achieve? And uh, I've talked about a number of these things in, in the videos I've done, maybe not in, in the best possible ways. And that's why I come back to it again and again and try to do it in a way, or at least create the content in a way that gives bits and pieces that are a little more concise because through the years, I've been able to kind of recollect that information, that data, reorganize them, and have a better way to convey them to people. Um, and I and I feel like that was uh, that that was going to be a little more effective in at least explaining to the masses that uh, this is what I'm experiencing. Uh, so I think uh, they all matter. Based on your question, you know, where like how and where is it uh, the experience or is it the environment? It, it's all it's all relevant. And I think it would be uh, it would be more so dependent on an individual basis too. Interesting. Uh, would you be able to elaborate maybe on why microdosing specifically for you uh, is what you choose to do instead of maybe a larger dose? Um, I, I mean, I've got a pretty busy life in general, like sunrise to sunset. There's a lot to do and I need to function. Um, so the, the microdosing seemed more applicable to the schedule that I'm, that I'm living. Uh, if I take an eighth of mushrooms, I'm, I'm not going to be able to function for at least six to seven hours or so. Um, and that'd be great if I'm on vacation or don't have much to do or don't have a child to raise or, or anything like that. But I can allocate two to three hours, three and a half hours. And uh, by the end of it, um, I've gotten what I needed and I can get back to work and do the things that I got to take care of. Uh, that, that's the primary reason. But from the, the research and the things I've read and what people are saying, I mean, uh, the microdosing is... Uh, uh, for the things that we've discussed or the things that people are saying, depression, anxiety, um, um, or emotional issues, uh, microdosing uh, has been recommended more so than larger doses. I wouldn't say that um, one or the other is better. It just depends on like what you want to do and how fast you want to accelerate it. I feel like if you know you wanted to take the eighth and do that, 
you know, twice a month, you might accelerate the, uh, the process, but then you might be, you know, really, um, really tripping hard each time where uh, there's so much happening and your ability to process all of it might be difficult. Uh, that's why it also takes so much time as I do these experiences, I reflect, I don't forget, I reflect on everything. And it's for weeks and months at a time that the, the thoughts I may have had, the feelings I may have had, I reflect on all of them to, uh, to again, better understand them. And then through that, there's, the answers come, the answers are there, you know, but uh, it just takes time. So perhaps with larger doses, you can get there quicker. But uh, it's still, I feel like you get, uh, you get so much all at once with larger doses. And it can be overwhelming because now you're just like, you're dealing with the visuals, you're dealing with the thoughts and the emotions, and it's very intense. So I don't know. I've done, I've done eighths before. They're pretty awesome uh, visually and, uh, and, and uh, everything else. Just the entire experience is pretty awesome. But uh, my, my time frame just doesn't fit for that anymore. Interesting. I do find the integration into sort of normal, um, I guess, sober for lack of a better term, uh, life is easier with the microdose because you're not getting so kind of transported into other, other realms of, of existence, um, so much, but you're getting that little kind of extra that will make you, like you said, sort of broaden the way you're able to look at the world. Um, I have one question you've mentioned sort of reflection being a really important part of your, of your experience. Um, I noticed for myself that, that microdosing and one thing I use for, for forced reflection as well is cannabis. So when I use these substances, I find that I, I will, uh, inevitably have to reflect on my, on what's happening, uh, in my life. Um, but I think sometimes without, uh, without any guidance, this kind of reflection can be challenging for certain people. Um, and you know, maybe that's where, uh, some sort of guidance from somebody or some, some sort of teachings or even therapy or something like that could be helpful. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Um, what is sort of your guidance in your reflection because it's one thing to reflect on things but then how do you grow um beyond what you already sort of know how does that work for you um i want i want to comment on the the cannabis aspect you had mentioned um i agree like i've smoked cannabis for quite some time a good portion of my life and um you know that's it was the same realization with cannabis like this is a very powerful tool. I don't see this being a, 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 you know, a thing for partying. If we've ever reflected on those experiences in mass groups or just um, you know, with friends or whatever, uh, most of us, when we get stoned, we don't, we're not really um, extroverts. We're just kind of, we're just stoned and we're thinking, we're in deep thought. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of times. I mean, that'll probably vary person to person, but I feel like it's uh, more so um, it's more so what happens than not. A and um, that's where I, I think I feel like uh, 
uh, as I go through the, the many years, that's where I've gained some of the tools of self-reflection is through cannabis without actually realizing it as a young teen and then through my 20s. Um, but the um, in terms of like guidance, I think it, it can be useful if, if an individual needs that kind of help, like do it. Most certainly it, it, it's, it matters what kind of guidance and from whom it's coming from, uh, that can be helpful. People that can't really relate to you, they're not gonna be very helpful. Um, but uh, for me, I, as I discover what I truly want, where it is I want to go, I think these are all questions I had to answer for myself. I don't think any form of guidance was going to be uh, adequate uh, because no one can answer that for me. No one's going to tell me, well, based on Arthur, as you've described these things, perhaps like this is what you should do to, to attain your goals or, um, uh, or whatever it may be. Um, so that's, that's, that was really important for me is discovering that for myself. Um, I've said it in, in one of the earlier videos is discovering uh, you know, that question of like, well, who am, who am I really? If all the preconceived ideas of who I am aren't true, as I did a self audit of my, you know, of my individuality, of all the things I thought I was, if all of those things weren't true, then who am I really? And that really opened up the door to begin to define it um, and, and pave the way for the future. Because if none of those things were true in my past or present life, then this has given me a clean slate to begin um, uh, kind of forging that path forward and defining it for myself, which is great because, you know, your 20s are about self-discovery and uh, depending on the, the society you're in, like the community you're in, the, the people you're, you surround yourself with, the, um, whether you have a nurturing you know, family or not being in my, you know, late twenties and early thirties. When I started all this, I, um, I was able to recognize like, well, there's nobody in my circle. That's where I, where I am currently. And I need to, uh, discover it for myself and then decide how to move forward since no one else can do it for me. And I think, uh, that's where the self-reflection helps so much. That's where, um, the, the, the defining moment of, each of these questions came up for me. Uh, and since then, it's been, um, it's been positive. It's been positive in many ways for me because um, there are aspects of human behavior that are very difficult to overcome. They're just kind of ingrained in us. And in a lot of ways, the, the experiences through microdosing kind of reveal them. If, you're, you, know, if you want to notice them, it'll reveal themselves to you. And then at that moment, you can say, is this, it, does this benefit me? Or is this useful? Um, or is this a, uh, is this a, you know, like a cognitive bias, you know? And if it, you know, if the answer is yes or no, you can decide. I mean, uh, the control is within each of us to make those changes, though they can be difficult. And it does all begin with, either a tool like microdosing to kind of open up that, that, that space in your mind 
um, and self-reflection, allowing you to really look look at yourself in in the true light that you currently are and say, am I happy? Am I content with with these things? And and then it, and then it just opens up. It's like the answer yes. It's the answer no. And you you, you kind of go further into that rabbit hole. Like um, it certainly was for me quite a rabbit hole, uh, defining so many different aspects of my personality, my behavior, my way of life, and understanding that um, if I didn't like these things, and I had to make a change. And in order to make a change that would require uh, behavior modification and just being like hyper aware. So, so yeah, that you, you just summed it up really well there, but I was going to say it's, it sounds like it's sort of the technique you're using is almost like um, uh, sort of a, a real act of awareness um, into whatever comes up. Uh, and you can do this, obviously you can do this with or without microdosing, but the microdosing is going to, uh, maybe bring something up or make you just observe something a little differently. And then that will force you into that awareness. And then you're also, when you, when you are aware, um, you're doing almost like what you talked about, like a self audit. You're sort of like asking yourself questions like, oh, it is, does this serve me? Is this how I want to behave? Is this some sort of baked in DNA thing, you know, am I, am I kind of sleepwalking when I do this, or is this something I'm actively wanting to do? And then you're making changes. So it's like, uh, and I guess maybe that's a little bit of like the cognitive behavioral therapy concept as well. You know, you're, you're, um, you're looking at the, the way your thoughts affect your feelings, which affect your behavior and, and, you know, all those things are connected. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, to try to sum up what you've been saying a little bit, but uh, it's all really fascinating stuff. And I find myself doing the exact same, to be honest. Um, and it's healthy. Yeah. We, we, you know, the more, you know, the more it's healthy to explore. Um, improving oneself shouldn't be uh, considered a bad thing, but it just depends on your circle of influence is what I was saying. Like, you know, um, the people around you may be happy for you. And then you'll find that, uh, some people will project, you know, a feeling of like, well, what you think you're better than me that, you know, you're making such changes in your life, or that you don't have time to come and drink with us anymore, you know, at the bar, or you're not smoking weed anymore, like you've changed, man, why, you know, we like we like the way you were, type yeah. of thing. So it, the circle of influence really matters. Uh, in that regard, um, uh, that you'll find as you're making improvements in your life, it, into your behavior that some people may not like it your parents may not like it you know i've uh, through this experience uh, i'm recognizing that uh, human behavior is complex but it's also somewhat predictable and um if you can uh, if you can analyze and dissect and understand your behaviors you begin to understand many other people's as well body language uh you know thought processes, um, uh, just uh, a lot of things become really, really, uh, you become hyper aware of them. And it's a, it's a good thing in a way that you can be more receptive to the people around you, you can be a little more understanding and, and kinder, you know, but then you, you can also become uh, a little more, um, I want to say you can definitely become stronger too. 
and more resistant to like people's bullshit, which is very real. It exists. So yeah. You know, one one thing that I uh, have thought about before is, and it shows itself in the in the physical world um, as a as a clear example. But transformation can be painful, and when we work out, you know, it's not an easy thing to physically move and to work out. But then we get stronger and stronger. So we almost have to go like through the pain of change um, to kind of come out into this world where we. We are our self-actualized self, or we're, we're actually being how we want to be in this world. Um, so there, yeah, there's definitely, you know, expect some change as you change and as you grow, right? It's, it's just uh, generally good advice. Um, I had uh, one more question for you here, Mike. Um, you mentioned that uh, that therapy wasn't a route that you were that interested in. Uh, I'm not sure if that's currently or, or when you first started trying the microdosing, but I'm curious what your thoughts are and what you think about psychedelic assisted therapy, because that's something that's kind of happening a little bit more and more. And, and I feel like as the legalization happens, that's going to be a route where they're going to try to promote like, oh, look at the positive benefits of this. We do this in a controlled environment with a trained guide therapist. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I think um, I think that's positive. It's there are going to be individuals who could use that. I mean, you know, why dismiss its uh, its ability to help? It can be helpful. Um, it's going to be individual basis. You know, somebody who uh, not everyone's going to have the experience that I had, where they can uh, take full control, full accountability of the experience, and um, and go through it, dissect it find the results they're seeking, implement the changes. It's, you know, something guided might be a little more beneficial to those that, uh, that uh, may not have some of those abilities. And it's going to be for the best. The question becomes like, with legalization, you know, how far will that go? Are we going to see synthesized versions? Or are we going to see pharmaceutical companies wanting to patent you know, um, various formulas, uh, like how will, how is that landscape going to change? And that's, that's, you know, a concern of mine. I've seen, you know, I am in the cannabis industry in, in a, I want to say a mild form. I've been, uh, I've been doing it for 10 years and I've seen the changes. It's devastating. Legalization came, recre uh, the, recre uh, the recreational laws went, in, went into effect. And it was, uh, it was clear to me that you know, people didn't read the bill. They didn't understand what they wanted, you know? And once it's been passed, it's very difficult to go back. So what you ended up getting was um, far worse than what we had. What we had was perfect. Medical laws were perfect. You want access, you have access. You don't want access, you don't need to worry about it. You had protections, you know, legal protections under under the medical laws, but the the recreational laws opened up the doors for big business, people, you know, companies like Monsanto, um, genetic manipulation. Um, you see a lot of um, just small industry get um, shaken out through regulation. They were they they were regulated before under the medical laws and they were very well um, established um, but with new regulation you know they can they can impose their will and I've seen a lot of them go under because they can't keep up 
with the with the new demands, which is kind of insane. You know, you were compliant before, but you're not compliant now. Like what changed really, other than some words in a bill that was just legislated recently? Uh, the the definitions may have changed according to uh, to uh, you know the the members within government, but yeah, like there's there's downsides to that. I've watched it, so that's a concern. Looking at let's say uh, psilocybin for the future, but uh, we in a lot of ways we we don't have a lot of control over these things. Uh, what we can do is um, uh, explore them on our own as individuals, like. You want the, the therapy version of it where it's guided, maybe that's synthesized in a lab or by a pharmaceutical, like that's going to be an option someday. Or you want to do it a different way by growing it or finding a cultivator, taking it that way. That's, you know, that's going to be an option too. Um, overall, uh, you know, a lot of things that I've come across and realizations like, you know, age doesn't equal wisdom. Number one, you know, people can grow old to the age of 60 and 70, but may not even experience a lot of the things that we're talking about. They'll have a great deal of wisdom in terms of their age uh, and some experiences, but self-realization, um, hyper-awareness of, you know, beha behavioral aspect, like they, they just won't. And, uh, and you can see it in some elderly uh, people that be, some of their behaviors just repeat again and again. If they're destructive, you say, like, why? You know, why would you continue? That's, that is something much deeper. Um, and there was, you know, something else that you had mentioned, but it's not coming to mind now that I wanted to, at the very least, share. Uh, perhaps it'll come back to me if, you know, as we continue talking. But um, that's, that's what I think is, you know, the ther therapy version is not a bad thing. Right. I, and yeah, I think, um, I think personally what's important is access, being able to access these things, being able to, uh, not be fined or have any sort of legal repercussion for personal use. I think, I think anything like that is, is pretty insane. And, uh, yeah, just kind of more power back into the people's hands. Um, you know, you, you voiced some concerns about big business, uh, getting in there. And I think, yeah, that could definitely become a problem, especially for small business. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's really hard. It's, it's impossible to predict the future. Um, but you can, you can definitely look back on history and see how things have happened in, in, like you said, the cannabis industry. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with that, but you know, I live in Canada, so it's, it's, uh, it's legalized here as well. And I, I know there's lots of people making money from it. I don't know what's changed since, uh, it, it was from medical to recreational, but I imagine there's been uh, a lot of changes in that world. Um, I, what's that? Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, I'm sure a lot has changed. Like the, the access most certainly became prevalent but the taxation is probably very high. Um, that That's a, a given for legalization. Um, uh, the The entry of big business, like in, in your in your country, we've got canopy growth. That's one of, one of the largest companies. You've got um, uh, Tilray. 
yeah, you got you got Tilray, you got another one. I forget there. I think they're uh, it's ABC. I think. Yeah, Aurora. Um, I think it's Aurora. Yeah, yeah, you got Aurora. Like, yeah, they're all um, they're all massive, and they do uh, um, they do saturate the market. I mean, for a period of time from 2018 to 2019, there was so much weed, and it wasn't selling. You know, mm. that was the problem they were they were facing, and it's because uh, more than likely the prices were you know, the taxes were just too damn high. And the quality were, was know, whack too. the quality was really bad. There you are. That's an aspect of it, too, is, well, if the quality goes down, then you buy more. Right. You smoke, yeah. you consume more and you buy more. Medical laws always ensured that not only was there um, adequate amounts of uh, the, you know, active ingredient THC, but the cannabinoids were in there, too. If you come to Los Angeles, if you come to Los Angeles, what changed is the genetic manipulation and every clone after that is going to be producing the same thing. So what I mean by that is if you buy weed today here in LA, you're getting very high levels of THC, but the other cannabinoids are damn near non-existent, you know, 0.01%, 0.02%. That's um, if you grow weed, you have very good equal parts, almost equal parts of everything in there um mm. all those cannabinoids are beneficial that's why it grows like that but to genetically modify it so that it's not in there anymore um that's also going to have repercussions um i've already been seeing it for the last several years from people um uh, but it's uh it's you know we're, it's yet to be seen the the rest of the world will be hopping on board at some point they'll uh uh and um though yes it'll be legal it'll be an extra um what do you call it an extra mechanism for governments to to make money uh but ultimately you know even in your country sales would would still remain flat for the large companies because people will go to directly to the cultivators yeah. much like how we do here like the the black market for uh cannabis here in la california the whole state alone is like nine billion dollars you know, mm -hmm. per year, that's the black market for weed, the legal market for for California is about three to $4 billion annually. So, so less it, than half. Yeah. Insane. And it's like, why would why would people want to pay those taxes for uh, for a quality of cannabis that is diminished and, um, and has been tampered with, uh, like substantially? Yeah. Um, you know, so something you had said earlier, when we we're talking about um just like growth relating to psilocybin it came back to my mind and you were talking about like you know anything would require uh the um in order to grow would would be painful and this is a very powerful thing that i realized through these experiences is that human beings only learn from pain mm, if you know and you know i watch it in my child right she gets hurt. She doesn't do that shit again. Right. Whatever it may, whatever it may be. But as adults, it's the same thing too. That's, it's a mechanism that we have been, uh, that's been ingrained in us is that you experience, depending on the depth of the, the pain, you, you may or may not, uh, you know, immediately process it, but chances are you might make some changes in your life. Um, and you know, if an individual doesn't grow from these things, 
it's going to be difficult to overcome the next challenge. And day after day, week after week, I guarantee there, there will be obstacles in a person's life, almost always. So getting stronger mentally, physically, spiritually is going to be to everyone's benefit to be able to overcome these things. Um, it's, it's a part of life. So um, not, being, not, not being afraid of, of change is a really important factor. You know, changing is good and uh, experiencing pain is good. Uh, discomfort is good. It's positive. It's uh, though a lot of people will shy away from that and will be like, well, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. You know, well, this is one of the things that I've changed in my mind. If I say, if the first thought in my mind, like, oh, I don't want to do that because I, you know, because of whatever stupid reason my brain might come up with, I immediately recognize it. I'll override it and I'll do it anyway. Right. And one thing you said there is, is like you, uh, you know, you learn through pain. So if you, uh, that's one thing I've been learning a lot about myself this, this past while is that, uh, I have a lot of learned behavior from pain that I had when I was a kid and, th and those lessons don't fit my life anymore as an adult. These, these are things that, uh, I'm still scared to do, or that I, you know, I say, oh, this causes me pain. I won't do this. And it, a lot of it is subconscious. So, um, yeah, it's sometimes like our, the lessons we learn at certain times in our life don't serve us anymore. And we have to, you know, kind of go back in and audit those. And I think that's an important aspect of, of learning through pain is having to sometimes revisit that pain that you've learned from and, and, uh, and relearn it. And like, that's, you know, to get back to mushrooms a little bit, that's what people talk about is, uh, being able to sort of, uh, have these experiences and, and maybe possibly even relive some trauma and form a new avenue of, of exploration of that and looking at it from a different perspective. And, um, they've done brain scans and stuff, and they show that it creates uh, new neural pathways. And, and in my eyes, that's sort of a visualization or a connection there that makes sense to me where there's, you're creating a new pathway to access that memory, uh, in a different way. And so you don't look at it the same way as you did when it happened. Um, and yeah, so that's just, that's just my, uh, a little insight that I had about mushrooms. Um, and I have one final Powerful. question. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one final question for you, Mike. Um, uh, what are some of your biggest takeaways from your experience with microdosing? What are some, some ultimate sort of, uh, lessons maybe that you've learned from your experience with them? Um, I, you know, it would, in a lot of ways, it's, I've summed up a, a great majority of them that I, I would want people to, to really hear in, in this entire podcast. Like, um, you know, fear is a big part of life in general. And it's, uh, uh, in reality, it's just a, a part of our brain from like prehistoric times you know, just the, the, the desire for survival. But if you can, if you can override that or learn ways to overcome fear and just do, um, you know, it can be very fulfilling overall. And, um, that was one of the things that really pushed me to do my first video is 
there was a lot of fear behind it, of course, right? Like, how are people going to perceive it? Is the video going to be good? Um, uh, and I must have done it at least 10 times before I came to the conclusion that, like, you know what? The message is more important than how I sound or look or or any of those things. And um, and even the act of doing the video helped me grow and uh, overcome that aspect of fear. So it, it was really powerful. And just like the video you had maybe uh, come across where I'm sharing one of the first things is like, get past, you know, the, um, the, uh, the feeling of like what others are thinking, like don't seek approval. That's going to hold you back. You know, like, what do you expect of yourself? And, you know, focus on that. It's going to be very difficult, but um, the breakthroughs you make from that action alone is going to uh, reveal themselves to you that you're capable of so much more. Um, and that was that was a thing that like five, six years ago, I experienced too. I'm like, I'm hitting a growth ceiling as a, as a business, as an entrepreneur, as many different things, as a husband, as a, I mean, and, you know, that was very important to me. I want to be the best father I can be. You know, I want to be the best husband I can be. I, I work as hard as I do for them, number one. But number two, it's for impact. You know, what's the positive impact I can have on the world with the work that I do? But that's just one form of work that I do. You know, the, the videos came as a secondary. That is for the purpose of a positive impact on the world. And that's, uh, that is the, the, probably the most important takeaway of the entire experience as I realized all of it, as I come to the conclusion that, you know what, I am capable of more. I should expect more from myself. Yes, there's fear. Yes, it's difficult. But am I, you know, if I don't try, I'm not going to. I'm not going to reach my current potential or even exceed and find my, you know, max potential as an individual. And um, and that's one of the things that really scared me. Again, that self audit of realizing, like, wait a minute, all these things I thought were true about myself aren't reflecting on them and saying like, well, I thought, you know, I've always believed I was this. Well, it doesn't seem to be true anymore, but why? You know, then that was definitely an ego thing. A lot of it was an ego thing and, um, and mostly ingrained, I think, in behavior. We don't, as, as people, we don't realize like how powerful that is, but um, it's so powerful that it can, um, it can close doors for you. It can shut those doors and then you, you may never have the opportunities that you, you desire in your life because of, let's say, that one thing uh, of your behavior. So, um, and, uh, and I feel like all through it, it has connected me with, with people a lot better, with my family a lot better. It has uh, helped me connect better to just the universe as a whole, just all of existence. There's such beauty to existence. You know, sometimes, you know, even in a sober mind state, as I reflect on, I'm like, wow, like we are alive. And it's, it's more than just work or responsibilities and bills. And like, these are all just things, but being alive and having a sense of 
that reality is uh, quite amazing. And that led me to want to live the fullest life I can, you know, experiencing everything that is good and or bad. Because nice. that's, that's really like, what, what else is there? There's going to be really great moments. There's going to be really bad moments. And they both are part of existence in general. And having acceptance is, uh, is healthy. I think uh, acceptance is a big part of uh, growth. You, we, we, we tend to hold on to things and grudges and pain and, uh, and just the whole ball of emotions that hold us back. But acceptance can get us through that and, um, and hopefully onto bigger and better things where we can um, improve the quality of life and existence for ourselves, but also others too. It's, you know, it's really important, but um, we're, we're in the beginning stages, you know, I'm one individual, um, wait until, you know, millions of people start experiencing the same things and what kind of impact that's going to have on how we treat each other, how we view each other. Um, and, you know, it, it could take a century, but it's in the process. So I think yeah. so. I think so. That's great stuff, man. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Um, Thanks for talking with me today. Thanks for being on the podcast. Um, Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. It's really it's, good to meet you. It was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure. Uh, where would you like to send the viewers and listeners? Uh, you can send them to the Mike Corlin channel. It's totally fine. I don't really, uh, I don't post that often because I, like I, I got so much going on and it's not about the volume of content. It's more so about the, uh, the context of the content. Like if it's, it, if I feel it's valuable enough to, to publish it, that it's something I want to share with people that uh, it's like, again, as I've mentioned, I go through the experiences and then I reflect on them for weeks and months at a time, organizing those thoughts and those emotions. And, and then when I, and when I feel like I've, you know, really nailed it in understanding like what it was or what it meant, then I'll try to find a way to convey it to people. So that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much what I would want people to know is that if you're going to come to the channel and you're going to subscribe, like understand that it's not it's not videos every day. I don't I don't do that. Um, it would be cool if I had that much to share all the time, but um, it's just my mind doesn't work that way. Okay, so Mike Corlin on YouTube. Um, did you want to shout out your podcast as well, or is that sort of a maybe a different subject? I'm not sure. Uh, no, like Lost in the Groove is something that I uh, co-host on um, with the uh, the creator. His name is Dave uh, Lennon, um, really intelligent guy. Uh, but we talk about a lot of things like the season that we're on now is about society, culture, race, um, just covering uh, a lot of the things that we've experienced the last several years in, in the country and the world. Um, it's It's a very touchy um, and sensitive, um, I want to say, uh, season that we're on. Um, it, you know, it may stimulate some listeners and it may anger some listeners of the shit that we say, uh, but they're just, uh, they're just, some of it is opinion, some of it is fact, some of it is, um, you know, just 
ideas that would just flow back and forth, ideas of, you know, what does it actually mean and what can we expect to improve? And it's been very fruitful overall, a great experience. Um, channel is small, the podcast is small, but it will grow. I know it um, because the, uh, the topic is, you know, the topics that we cover is what's important. Um, that's what, that's the emphasis I make about any of the things that, uh, I participate in is I, you know, I want them to be valuable to us first. And when we convey them, we will find that others will value it too. But if we're just kind of pumping content out, it's not going to be, you know, uh, it's not going to be true to like my personality or my vision or what the type of impact I'd like to have on the world in general. So uh, those are two places people can check out. And I appreciate that, that you asked and are willing to share that with, uh, with all the other viewers that are out there. Um, it would be a tremendous help and, um, and a blessing. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, those will both be in the description and in the show notes. Thanks, everyone for listening and watching. And we'll see you on the next episode of what I learned from. On this show, you know, I've talked a lot about money. Um, investing is an interest of mine. Money is really important as a store of energy of our, of ourselves. And basically, we can use it to create in this world. We can make all these different things happen just because of the money that we either use. And the more you accumulate of it, the more you can create. And it's just, uh, it's a fascinating subject. And it's a lot easier sometimes to actually save money than it is to make money. So today's sponsor is Mint Mobile. And if you're in the States and you have a cell phone, you can probably save a lot of money by switching to Mint. I mean, Mint has these plans. It's like 15 bucks a month, unlimited calling, unlimited texting, five gigabytes of data. They have 4G, 5G plans. And for 30 bucks, you can get unlimited data included with that plan. And so it's like 30 bucks unlimited data. And the internet is so powerful. We need to get on there. We need to learn. I mean, you're probably, you're using the internet right now to listen to this, to download this. Um, it's important to have, and you might be able to save a ton of money by switching to Mint. So check out the link in the description for Mint Mobile. And we get a kickback here. We get a small commission. So it really, really supports the show. It's super, super important to um, feel like I can actually do this and make a little bit of cash um, th this podcast so it's going a long way and it's really important for you to save money as well so if you are spending too much on your mobile go at least check it out see if the coverage is good for you if the service is good for you and basically it's a smart business as well what they've done with mint mobile is they've um they've basically done what more and more companies are doing to save money and to pass it on to consumers, which is not have a retail store. There's a lot of empty shopping malls out there in the world now because there's no need for companies like Mint Mobile to have a cell phone kiosk in the mall or whatever storefront. And so they can pass those savings from not having to, um, you know, rent and lease that space, not having to employ those people working there. They can employ people in a more concentrated fashion so they can have less employees and serve more people basically and they do it all online all through the internet and the customer service is supposedly pretty good still 
Um, that's the other thing too, is you don't want to like lose things by switching to Mint Mobile. So I would I would just recommend checking them out, see if it's a fit for you. Um, basically, when I ever have a problem on my cell phone, I'm calling them anyway. I'm not going into a store. Uh, that's just, you know, you're just looking to get upcharged basically by going into a store anyway. So um, check it out. Links in this description, like I said.